0: Trump to tom. Couldn't afford to buy a trumpet. Uh, <laughs> Dr.
1: History. Yeah, your musical ability is Limited. 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 <laughs> Let's just say that. I can play the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Okay. <laughs> With help. <laughs> oh, Zeb I just gotta say this. My book, Coal Miner to Cowboy, is now available on Amazon. Uh, as print and as an ebook, so really? now people can. You got it done. So and within the week or two, it should be available on Audible. So it'll be available print book and as an audio book that was work wasn't it? oh 23 hours of recording oh. and you've done that you I know have. it is difficult I to record have. and i
0: and after a while the words jump off the page and hits you in the eye uh, and, yeah oh.
1: anyway it's and i recorded it because i wanted to yeah so, you did it and i did it i'm proud so, of you thank you so a couple of thank yous darren over in uh claremore oklahoma um, visited the J.M. Davis Arms and Historical Museum. They have over 12,000 guns. They have a gun that belonged to John Wesley Harden. Really? But it's more than just guns. I, they had a, he sent me a link to the tour and they've got everything. It's an amazing museum, just. In Claremore. In Claremore, Oklahoma. Oh you know. my. So, yeah. you know where that is? Yes, but. I do. So I got an email from Igor. Igor. <laughs> Igor. Is he related he, to Budweiser Shebo Fluster? Uh, no, no, oh. he's Igor. Yeah. Anyway, he sent me some information about translating. Uh, the podcast into different languages. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, I just got to tell you, Igor, the link you sent me didn't work. So send send it to me again, and I'll see if I can get it to work.
0: And, Igor, if you're listening, please remember this. If you're asking Dr. History to do it in different languages,
1: (laughs) guess again, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My translating ability is not very good. What are we going to talk about? Okay, we're going to finish up Lewis and Clark. Okay, so this is the return trip after a miserable, kind of cold. But they had place to stay at Fort Clatsop. Yeah, Uh, and so they left on March twenty third, eighteen o six. They left a letter posted on the fort to tell the world that they had made the crossing over the mountains to the Pacific. After a very industrious though very boring winter, they now had plenty of clothing and had actually made themselves between 300 and 400 pair of moccasins. Oh. They had little else uh, for food they had uh, it become kind of scarce they now relied on their guns to provide food as they set about to travel up the Columbia they had six boats three of their original dugouts made the previous year two canoes that they'd bought from Indians and one they had actually stolen from the Clatsops. that's they the one they stole well, a canoe it's because they thought they had stolen some elk anyway we'll talk a little bit more about that in okay so that night they camped at a place called Tongue Point Tongue Point <laughs> please do not try to do the book in a foreign language <laughs> no. so they camped at Tongue Point at present day Warren's Landing, north of Astoria, they were able to kill two elk, and they actually traded that for dog, because, as I mentioned before, they preferred to eat dog. Really? And the wapato, which is that kind of plant that they would get, uh, and the next day they got that at a calthamet, calthamet village. Now, the totem,
0: I'm not saying a word. Okay, the
1: totem posts that supported the entrance to the houses were these really elaborately carved uh, tr- uh, totem poles. and the, To go the, into the lodge? Yeah, that were like on each side of the door or whatever. So uh, they were very fond of, of these carvings that they did, uh, more so than some of the other tribes. Yeah. Anyway, an interesting turn of events came when the owner of the canoe, the stolen canoe, Uh, stolen from the Clapsops showed up, it turned out that the owner was not the Clapsops, but a Kathlamet Indian. Uh Uh-oh. An encounter occurred when they set out again upriver and took a wrong turn. They were overtaken by the Kathlamet, who showed them the way to the main channel. One man identified the canoe as his own Uh because of the personal and carvings that were on it. The Corps were able to right their wrongdoing by paying the owner of the canoe with an elk skin. No kidding. So they ended up paying for the quote, stolen canoe. That could have been the end of the trek. that was not a good thing. No. But on their trip downriver, the group had experienced trouble with the Scalutes, but now they were welcomed. They were friendly. Uh, They visited overnight uh, by two Scalutes, and they were treated with kindness and hospitality. They camped on the North Shore near present-day Vancouver, Washington in March of 1806. They stayed for six days trading with the local natives and hunting elk to restock their food supplies and here they met Indians coming downriver who were very hungry. And Clark said, quote, they were holding out for the next salmon run. So evidently the salmon had not been very uh, prosperous or very uh, not very much that year. And so they were pretty hungry. Did they use nets uh, as their primary source of catching? I think they used them. I think they also used those long spears, Oh, you know, with the, oh. the hooks on the end. Yeah. But uh, anyway, by April seventh, the corps had enough dried meat to last them until they meet, met the Shahapsian speaking tribes, and they set off upriver. <laughs> <laughs> now, most of the waterfalls in the gorge are on the south side of the river, and you know that's that. That's right. That's Mo- right. Multnomah Falls. Yeah. Oh, that's a, an amazing. You can. You can. No, hike. I never thought about that. There aren't any waterfalls hardly on the uh, north no. side. But, if folks, if you're ever there, you can climb clear to the top of Multnomah Falls. No, you can. You can. Yes. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> anyway, Lewis described the terrain they passed as, quote, The hills have now become mountains. High on each side are rocky, steep, covered, generally with fir and white cedar. And he was looking at the south shore of the river when he said several small streams fall from a much great height in their descent, became, become a perfect mist. Mm. Now, they're heading upriver now so the rapids they came to beginning east of today's portland oregon were uh by now this is spring zeb so it's the spring runoff okay so a lot of water coming down the river they'd reached the head of uh the tide water about a, about 50 miles upriver from present-day vancouver washington and on april 10th they hauled their boats up over the cascades now the cascades are a series of cascading water and they're divided into upper and lower cascades and these are rapids i mean this is you know uh, where the river falls pretty fast yeah right and so it was a kind of a challenging deal so they actually how how big were those canoes by the way i don't know how long they were uh I'm, I'm just gonna throw out, you know, at least, what, 15, 20 feet? They had to be very heavy. Oh, yeah, the ones they, the dugouts were very heavy. Now, the ones they got from the Indians were probably a lot lighter and more maneuverable. I'm thinking so. But anyway, they portaged up the Cascades. Uh, they camped again near the Dalles, and they set about preparing to abandon river travel to trade for horses with the Indians. Well, the expedition was able to trade for only four horses, but they needed 12. And over the next nine days, they continued upriver, partly by land and partly with some of the remaining boats. So they had the horses on land, but they were still using canoes to head up the river. So uh, there were problems, again, with more hard bargaining for some of the horses with some of the Skalutes. Uh, they traveled all by land at one point, and they moved upriver on the Washington side now. So they kind of went back
0: and Give forth. Give me a landmark as to where you are right now. Um,
1: okay, they're, they're getting up uh, close to what they call the Walla Walla River. Oh, okay. All right. So they were eager to meet the Walla Wallas because they could get food, and they were tired, the men and horses. Now it's April 27th. They were soon joined by their friend, Walla Walla Chief Yellop, and he was friendly. He was hospitable. Uh, He talked him to stay with his people for a few days to to get rested up. Um, Anyway, they had a good feast with several hundred Walla Wallas and Yakimas. Now this occurred... uh, Opposite the mouth of the Walla Walla River. Okay. So we're up upriver now. Mm-hmm. So this is 15 miles south of the confluence of the Snake and the Columbia. So we're getting up there way up into the Washington Territory. Absolutely. So Lewis and Clark had given a medal to Yellop, uh the previous year, and now uh, he was a good ally. He furnished them with canoes to take their baggage across the river and gave them directions to get to the Nez Perce. So the route is entirely south of the Snake River and goes east to Lewiston, Idaho. Now we're clear up by Lewiston mm-hmm. along the Snake. Mm-hmm. And now we're in Nez Perce country. Right. So this well-traveled Indian Trail led them more or less straight to the mouth of the Clearwater River. and You've probably been up there. Many the times. Clearwater. Yes. Anyway, they made 40 miles and camped between. Uh, 40 mi- How many miles a day did they try to make? You know, I, I'm thinking it just had to depend on the terrain. You know, whether it was rough or whether it was flat. But 40 miles, that's pretty good. Oh, my. So between the towns of Prescott and Waitsburg, Washington, not sure exactly Boy, where that is. you've
0: got me on those.
1: Yeah. So on May 3rd, they camped in a creek bottom near present-day Padaha. Washington, don't know where that is for sure either, but they were cold, wet, and had the last of their dog supper. Your boy. The journal says, "quote We continued up the bottoms of the creek for two miles. We camped after a disagreeable journey of twenty eight miles." Uh, they traveled an ancient Indian trail. Uh, it was used by the Nez Perce and other tribes, too. It appears to have been the main thoroughfare for tribes that traveled back and forth across from east to west across the Rockies. And they did travel some of the same routes uh, that they did coming from east oh, to west. Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the Nez Perce, they helped Lewis and Clark several times during their travels. Uh, and now one of the two guides who had accompanied them to Salilo Falls, the Nez Perce chief, Bighorn, came to meet them. And he let them know that they would find a camp with provisions the next day on the Snake River. And Clark wrote that the chief had been, quote, very instrumental in procuring us a hospital, hospitable and friendly reception among the natives. No kidding. So the Corps uh, proceeded up the Clearwater to present day Kamiye, Idaho, mm,
0: okay. and All to right. the
1: camp of Twisted Hair, the other Nez Perce chief that had promised to take care of their horses. So, the route taken by the Corps across the Northwest was the same westward in 1805 and returning in 1806, except for the overland route when they left the Columbia at the mouth of the Walla Walla. They then proceeded across present-day eastern Washington to the Snake River. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, now they're back among the Nez Perce. The friendly, you know, the people. So to retrieve their Shoshone horses from twisted hair, the Corps continued up the Clearwater from present-day Lewiston, Idaho. They were hungry and nearly out of trading goods. Fortunately, Clark's reputation with the Indians for successful treating various ailments had preceded them. You know, he'd helped uh, heal some of the Indians uh, on his way through. So he was well-respected.
0: You said he well-punted. was a doctor, right?
1: Yeah, I you know, I'm not sure if he was officially a doctor, but he did treat uh, the various illnesses. What about Lewis? I think he was more the scientist. I see. So, But the chief brought his wife uh, with an abscess on her back and promised to furnish us, this is what he said, with a horse tomorrow if we would relieve her. The woman uh, reported the next morning she was much better, and her husband kept his promise of a horse, which was immediately killed and eaten. Oh, boy. (laughs) They were hungry. I guess. Well, they crossed the clear water to the south shore and moved upriver. Here they found the camp of twisted hair. Uh, The horses were gathered, and the cache of saddles, tack and powder and lead were retrieved from what they called canoe camp. So they would cast some gear on the way over, and they were able to find that and dig it up. So Mm -hmm. Red Bear and two other chiefs to guide them back across the mountains. And uh, during the early spring, it was a time of hunger for everyone. The member of the Corps were engaged in obtaining food in any way they could get it. They shot bear, grouse, ground squirrels, uh, and they traded for camas and this stuff they called coos bread whenever they could. I was going to ask you,
0: you know, meat is fine. Protein is fine from the meat. But did they have anything as far as vegetables or any greens or anything?
1: You know, they had that wapiti, that uh, root and camas, which I I believe would be almost like a vegetable. I see. Um, And they cooked it, right? Yeah, they, but they made it into a kind of a bread, is what they did. Oh. So, but, uh, they, by now, they had nearly run out of all their things to trade. You know, they'd come across with, like, buttons and yeah. containers and paint and thread and ribbon. And uh, the the Nesper's they wanted knives and kettles and blankets and things like that. So they were pretty much out of a lot of the good stuff. But anyway, they prepared to recross the Rocky Mountains. Uh, the captains ordered preparations to break camp and resume, resume their journey eastward. So they set out June 24th, 1806. This time the way was easier. I mean, they knew the way. And they proceeded on the Lolo Trail over the rough terrain. Now, uh, okay. a few years ago, Zeb, I uh, was with a group of guys, and we floated the Locksaw River, right. which is along the Lolo Trail. right, And, uh, you know, it would be... Uh, not too bad of a trail, I don't think. Unless, But on the way over, when they went from east to west, they ran into a lot of snow. But now going back, it wasn't too bad.
0: And they left uh, the west coast, Oregon, in what, April?
1: Uh, I think that's what I said, yeah. Yeah, April. So now it's June. And anyway, they went over the Lolo Trail, and now it's uh, July 1st, 1806, and they went across the mountains. Uh, They made the return trip in six days. Um, On the way over, it took 11 days. So now they left the mountains behind, and this, said Clark, quote, is like once more returning to the land of the living. There you go. (laughs) So... um, So on July 3rd, after recrossing the Bitterroots, the expedition divided into several groups so they could explore the region and the two major tributaries of the Missouri. So several groups floated down the Great Falls, digging up supplies that they'd cached on their outward journey. Meanwhile, Clark arrived at the Yellowstone River okay, after crossing Bozeman Pass, and this was the route that Sacagawea had suggested. Mm -hmm. Now, they made two more canoes. Uh, just dugouts again, again, these, you know, heavy (laughs) canoes, and he carved his name and the date in a sandstone outcropping that they called Pompey's Tower, and now today it's called Pompey's Pillar, and it was named for Sacagawea's son, who Clark called Pomp. Really? Now, this was Jean-Baptiste Charbonneau, but Clark called him Pomp, For whatever reason. And in the meantime, Lewis and three men met eight Blackfeet on July 26th on a tributary of Maria's River near present day Cutbank, Montana. Mm -hmm. And kind of a bad altercation occurred the next morning when the explorers shot two Blackfeet warriors who'd stolen their horses and guns. And so they took off on horseback for 24 hours straight, and these four guys arrived at the Missouri River to rejoin the other members of the expedition who were floating downstream, and farther on this group reunited with Clark. They bid farewell to the Charbonneaux's and floated downstream, completing the journey.
0: Now, uh, you said that it took so many days uh, to get back into the land of the living. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And did they ever take a break? Did they ever take a couple of days off and just make camp and let people rest? It sounds like it was an everyday yeah.
1: march. I'm thinking at this point they just wanted to get back. I see. And so it was, you know, explore what they could, learn what they could about the country, and so that they could map the area better. Uh, You know, there's Clarks Fork River up there in Mm -hmm, Montana. There's mm -hmm. the Lewis River. There's uh, things that were named. Is where he etched his name in stone, et cetera, is that still visible? I don't know that. Uh, This place called Pompeii's Pillar, maybe some of our listeners might know if that's still visible up there. But anyway, so they finally made it to back home and uh, like I say uh, the Sharbonoes uh, they left before they got back Clear back to independence it
0: would really be interesting to read about what they did or how they were received when they got back to what was it independence
1: missouri yeah and eventually he ended up clear back in washington you know to wow. uh, you know tell about their uh, the advent the, and to bring back all the specimens and the drawings and the maps that they had had gotten along the way
0: no so, uh, did they get a commission for this? Were they paid for by
1: the government, yeah, etc.? They were all paid, and I was going to check that. And I, I, I don't know how much they were paid. I see. So, but I, I think my recollection is that they were paid pretty, pretty good for that time and that era. And real quick, I've only got a minute
0: left. Uh, whatever happened to Lewis and Clark and other members of the expedition?
1: Well, um, I'm trying to think. Um, Unfortunately, I think one of them committed suicide. Oh, I see. Lewis or Clark. I see. I don't remember which one. Um, one of the guides, um, i trying to remember his name, too. He he's continued uh, guiding for uh, other, uh, for pioneers coming across.
0: Did he take more people back on the same track?
1: Uh, they followed the Oregon Trail. I see. Oregon and California Trails, yeah. I see. So, anyway, that's kind of the summary of Lewis and Clark from beginning to end and I tried to summarize it there's so much more in their oh, yeah. in their journals in their books
0: next week why don't we do a synopsis of some of the things that they saw some of the things that we know that still exist today that type of thing
1: yeah we could do that there's uh, this book I've got and I want to hurry point I've only this got a out. minute here her name is Cheryl halsey Lewis and Clark across the Northwest folks I'd highly recommend it Cheryl Halsey okay dr history